warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Welcome to Real Britannia, a very British podcast about very British films with the occasional hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here, as usual, and with me today is the return of Tony. Hello, mate. Hello, the very occasional appearance of Tony. (laughs) It seems to be that way, but we say this every time. Real life gets in the way. Real life will kick you in the ball sometimes, mate, and things happen that we all can't commit. You know, weekly, monthly, fortnightly, whatever it may be. But I'm aiming for at least three times next year. At least three. Um, (laughs) And I'm sort of thinking ahead to 2020. You're planning Um, ahead. Excellent. Yeah, I'm feeling we'll probably get about four episodes out of me then. But they will be four episodes of quality, my friend. They won't be. (laughs) You're too kind. I know. I'm too much of a good liar as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to have you back. I've missed. Our little chats, as much as I love Steve and he gets on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, oh no, he's lovely. I've been listening to a few of the things he's done today. Excellent. Um, yeah, he, he sounds lovely. He's... I can't wait to meet him very, very soon. Well, let's let's bring the listener up to speed. Um, with regard to myself and Stephen, we are recording pretty much every week and we've got a few in the bank. We've got enough episodes to see us through a couple of months in the new year. This episode I'm going to put out pretty much this week so we're in the run-up to christmas 2018 um and it's going to be our last episode that me and you do together for the year just ourselves and the intention is that we have a threesome on sunday oh dear dear lord yes there's a (laughs) bit of a carry-on gag there already um and and what are we going to do because we haven't announced this anywhere else but you know we're going to get together me you and Stephen, for the first time in 20 plus episodes what we're reviewing for the christmas special Joan Sims, Scrooge. Joan Sims. Joan Sims. <laughs> was that Sims. Al- was Mr. That, Sims. Was that Alistair Sims' sister? Alistair's. <laughs> Alistair's brother. Excellent. Of, um, Alistair is the brother of Joan Sims. The, not, not really, but there is a carry-on link, isn't there? To, to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, there goes the hint of professionalism already. Already. We did well. We, yeah, it. we did well. There is a carry-on link, actually, to the Alistair Sims Scrooge, because Hattie Jakes is in it, which I forgot. Um, you've you've only watched a little bit of it today so far, haven't you? You're going to watch the rest of it at some point. In the I've week. I've watched it in the past, but I've watched all the other versions as well in the past. But yeah, yeah it's, 
I'll be watching it again very soon and recapping. At first, you thought we were going to do the um, the Albert Finney version, didn't you? That was when when you the nineteen seventy version. I yeah. think. Yeah, that's what I thought it was originally. But no, I was again. Oh, I was wrong. I'm going to say um, that as usual. You were wrong. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> so already for the listeners, it sounds like it's going to be a shit episode with my part oh. because I've already got the name wrong. I've already got the year wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't hold out much hope, everyone. Let's so I'm going to say it now. Merry Christmas. Merry, Happy New Year. Just in case it all goes completely wrong and you don't turn well, up. Well, they're probably not going to listen next time. So I'll say it all now. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Also, with, with regard to the Albert Finney version, it's one of my favourite versions of the story. I, I love that musical version. And Stephen revealed today when I was talking to him that he's not a big fan of musicals. But you like that Albert Finney version, don't you? Yeah, we'll do that one next year. We'll Spoiler. do that next year just to Everyone. wind just to wind him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just going to do Scrooge every Christmas now. There's many different versions. Every version that we can find. Um, there must be a Bollywood one as well. I bet there is, mate. I bet there is. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me, you know. If we'll find some some version from Azerbaijan or something. That's it. I'll probably watch it in Dutch, like I did with James Bond. Because um, it'll be the only version you can find on YouTube. The only version I could find was in Dutch, and luckily, I oh, know a little Dutch, so that was handy. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. Do you want to talk about um, today's movie? I suppose we better, I suppose. Um, today's movie, we are reviewing, this is your choice, uh-huh. 1950s, thriller drama, Seven Days to Noon. Seven Days to Noon. Let's play the trailer and we'll be back after this. An English scientist runs away from a research centre with an atomic bomb. In a letter sent to the British Prime Minister, he threatens to blow up the centre of London if the government don't announce the end of any research in this field within a week. Special agents from Scotland Yard try to stop him. With help from the scientist's assistants, future son-in-law, to find him and stop the madman. Seven Days to Noon. It was released in 1950. Directed by the Bolting Brothers. We'll talk about them a little bit later on because they were massive in the field of British movies around this Oh, John time. and Roy. John and Roy. And it stars Barry Jones, Andre Morell, Olive Stone. And as I pointed out to you when I mentioned this a couple of weeks back, it's got a very young Joan Hickson in this movie. Miss Marples. Yeah. Now, which I thought would appeal to you because you're a bit of a fan of, of the Hickson playing a completely different character than we've ever seen her play before so tell me initial thoughts on seven days to noon tony because I'm, I'm assuming you've not seen this before i've not seen it before yeah um initial thoughts when it first started mm. i thought very much along the lines of the professionals the professionals yeah, because it's got that, that the government feeling to it. You know, they're at Scotland Yard, they're a special oh, branch. Right. Obviously, it's an important thing that's happened. It's national security. They receive a letter from what they receive, like what they feel is a joker. Yeah, it opens up, actually, doesn't it, with the postman delivering <laughs> post and letters to 10 that's Downing it, Street. Them through, yeah, there's no security there. They're actually um, popping them through the letterbox. There's only about four letters. <laughs> that's it. goes through the letterbox, and then it makes its way onto the desk of the Metropolitan Police's special branch. Yeah. It's, um, and it's all sort of played down to start with, isn't it? And But yeah. it very, very quickly develops. So, so the, the premise of the story is that there's this 
nuclear research scientist that's been developing nuclear weapons. Yes. Um, quite topical at the time because it was about the time that Russia had developed their first atomic bomb in 1949. Yeah, um, start going into the year of the Cold War. Sort yeah, of thing. and basically his demands are that the British government stops this research, otherwise he's going to detonate a bomb at Westminster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's given them seven days, seven days to noon. That's what he's seven done, isn't it? So, so initially, Scotland Yard seem to think he's a bit of a crank but then on investigating they realized that this um this scientist has disappeared from home yeah and when they start looking through files they realize he's actually got quite a bit of clout yeah in the um the area he's in so they um, start taking it a bit seriously yeah and then it's it's all that's the first bit that sort of got me a little bit mm. can i have the personal personnel file on such such camp and he literally walks over to his safe and it's there. It was there. This is Scotland Yard. Yeah, it's just... Scotland we... Yard. And it's right there, right, <laughs> like, straight away. And then it's, oh, we need the personnel file on such and such. Oh, it's there. Just happened to away. have it, yeah. Yeah, all to hand. Um, which you can't fault the speed and efficiency of um, Special Branch back in the 1950s, can you? No, but we've only got 90 minutes here to play with, haven't we? So we've got to get this, this story yeah. moving along at a bit of a pace. It's great, though, isn't it? It's just that whole, this is the story, this is what we're going to tell, and this is how we're going to tell it. Boom, boom, boom. Right, we're going to introduce you to the scientist's daughter, uh, the assistant that's working with him, and, you know, they're going to work closely with Scotland Yard to try and find this rogue scientist that's disappeared with a nuclear bomb that fits, luckily, into a very small suitcase. (laughs) It, it just it shows how different times are, really. Yeah. How security was so lapsed back then that you could fit a nuclear bomb in your briefcase and take it on the tube in London, eventually, and it doesn't get picked up. Um, uh, how where time... nowadays you steal a mobile phone and you've got the armed police on you within five minutes. Yeah, how times um, have changed. When you think about The Rock starring Sean Connery, you know, where San Francisco is held to ransom with, you know, nuclear weapons. It's completely different, isn't it? This is the forerunner to the rock in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) But nevertheless, we're not, we're not bad mouthing this film. It's a very good film. I I think it is anyway. Good, because I I picked it because I thought you might enjoy it. You went into this completely blind, didn't you? You didn't watch any trailers or anything? No, didn't watch any trailers. If it's one I don't know, and you give it to me, I will not do any research until I've watched it. Oh, right. So no one has to be tainted from the beginning. Yeah. Because um, I'm very quick to judge on some films, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, going right back to the beginning, we mention this every time we talk about you liking a good credit sequence. The credits. Oh, well, yes. It, it wasn't my most favourite credit sequence. But it's different. Actually. It's different, though, isn't it? It because is it, different. It's it a is train, different. isn't it? Going past, and the credits sort of like run across the screen left to right as the yeah. train's going through. Um, okay, so you didn't know anything about this film, so at this point. Your attention's sort of peaked a little bit. How you think it, it okay? It, it, it does grab it grabs you from the get go. Mm. It grabs you from the get go because you don't know if they're going to be dealing with just dealing with some sort of nutcase that likes sending links for the fun of, oh. or it's actually serious. Yeah. Um. So you, you don't know what way it's going to go until you get that definitive phone call that yes, there is a nuclear missing our storage. How does the plot progress after this point? Obviously, we realise that Professor Willington, played here by Barry Jones, is. Is on the loose in London somewhere with a nuclear bomb, and everything is kept under wraps, isn't it? They they 
the government keeps the whole thing secret, even from his family. You know, they, they know he's missing. The, the family know he's missing. And the police know what he's up to, but they don't reveal it to them immediately, do they? No, but then given the circumstance of being a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's probably not the sort of thing you want to be sort of shouting about, like careless talk costs lives. And there's a, there is a line mentioned mm-hmm. um, by Stephen Lane, who's played by Hugh Cross. Hugh Cross, yeah. Um, we, we can't even trust the ones we work with, you know, it's something along them lines. So they yeah. don't know who to trust. Yeah. And, it's interesting. Obviously, this is just after the war as well, isn't it? We're, we're talking a few years after the war's finished. There is a lot of, not similarities, but there's a lot of sort of cross-linking with, with the war years here, you know, because obviously, like you say, it's going to be fresh in people's minds. Yes. So that when we get to the point of evacuation and, you know, um, all clear signals and things like that, people are fully aware of that. You know, they've been used to it for the, you know, the six years of the war. So yes. what you, what you get is this marvelous bit of sort of like tiptoeing around, trying to think right, how are we going to find this guy? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, the decision is made that on the the Thursday or whatever it is, that right, this might be serious. We've got to evacuate the whole of London or this you know four mile radius or whatever it may be. And so, wartime sensibilities are brought into action. You know, the- yep. they start marking up the trains, they start providing transport, um, plans go into place, and all the public starts guessing what's going on. They all know that they think something's happening, they're going to war. Yes, that's the initial reaction, isn't it? They think we're back at war again. And they also, there's the guy in the pub who um, said, yeah, we're going to war with the Russians and we should just drop atomic bombs on them anyway, just get it over and done with. Um, <laughs> just, just go and put an end to it all. Jeffrey Keane, who's, you know, appeared a few times in the Real Britannia podcast, the guy who played the minister in the Bond movies. That's him. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Alf. Yeah. Yeah. Seen him a few times. And it is. There's a lot of speculation, and it's like, oh, you know, because obviously, as I say, at this time in history, the Russians have developed their nuclear bomb. So it's like, here we go again. We're at war. So it's this whole evacuation thing. People are, like you say, i tell you what I like. This movie, from the outset, doesn't skimp on any expense. You can see that they've spent a lot of money on this movie because there's a thousand extras. There's scenes of people getting on trains. I mean, I liked it that, you know, you see soldiers going through the British Museum or the Natural History Museum and packing things up and they go through London Zoo. Yes, Um, yeah, they're searching the zoo. Uh, even in the credits, you saw, I knew it was going to be something quite big when they're thanking London Transport, the Metropolitan Police, the British Army, and you start looking at things like that and you think, actually, yeah, this is actually a quite a big-scale film. Yeah. Um, and you see the resources that was actually put into it. It actually won um, an Oscar the following year. It won an Oscar for the screenplay, which, I, which is quite rare for a British movie at that time. Um, but you could see that, you know, a lot of money was invested into this. They're not skimping. I'll tell you what it reminded me of as well. When you see sort of deserted London, um, 28 days later, there's that, you know, that famous horror film from sort of 20 years ago that they had to film at sort of four or five in the morning so they could get Westminster Bridge when it was empty or Trafalgar Square. But you get all of that here. They've actually yeah. got, you know, famous landmarks with nobody about whatsoever. 
Um, and it was great, you know, lots of extras, lots of, there's no major special effects or anything like that, but you can just see where the money was spent on this movie. You, you could quite easily say it's, it's been a film that's so well made mm-hmm. that you could actually pass it as a public information film from that era. It was almost like a documentary, wasn't it? Like you say. Yeah. 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 I know what you yeah. Mean. It, mm. You're not made to feel like an idiot. Um, it was so real to life. And at the time, very, very possible, very topical. Yes, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? it um, was... And scary to a point because they are these mad scientists that were locked up in sheds on these little projects <laughs> on their own and still is to this day. <laughs> well, it's sort of done. I mean, round about this era in Hollywood, their answer to the, the nuclear threat from the Russians was to bring out these sci-fi movies you know where monsters were mutated because of nuclear research you know things like godzilla in japan or you know it came from another world those sort of like b movies and it was it was sort of disguising the threat of communism or whatever as these great invasion movies but we did it in a very british way (laughs) it it attacks it from a very different angle it it shows how it's going to affect the people yeah it's almost like the, the scientist really takes a back seat in it. Um, True, yeah. It, it's it's how it affects everyone else, the evacuation, and you see that people's pets being taken away, belongings, uh, yeah. martial law. Someone breaks into a jeweler's and gets shot because it's under yes. military control. For looting, yeah. And there's, yes. there's rules things about... things that would have happened. Yeah, there's rules like no sporting equipment to be taken on the buses, and there's a guy of his golf clubs or... Yeah. Um, wasn't there a guy with sandwich boards with like the end is nigh or something the like end that? Is nigh, that's it, yeah. yeah. And it, it makes that sort of harrowing shot with all the pets at the end. They're all in a big heap. Yes. Oh my God, and, yeah. It's, and it's like, oh, it's a chilling reminder that yes, the end is nigh. If this bomb goes off, and people at the time, they didn't really know what an atom bomb was. Um, no. Obviously, they had the American tests and they see what it could do to a desert. Well, and, and, uh, and obviously, you know, in Japan from 1945. Yeah. Yeah, you've got Hiroshima yeah. and whatnot. It's, it's quite poignant. The um, the 12-mile radius they said it would affect, setting that bomb off on Westminster yeah. is right by the Thames. The Thames links down to Kent. It goes all over the place. It would eventually wipe out the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember Chernobyl, yeah. uh, which was an accident. Mm-hmm. But there were places in Wales where there was high levels of radiation being detected because it had blown over. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah, I've lots, lots of documentaries on Chernobyl, yeah. but it affected even us this I'll, far away. I'll tell you what I liked about that radius when you when you see it visually on the map where they're moving the troops. What they decide to do is they go to the outer rim, the outer circle of you know the potential blast radius, and in like a almost like a war room, like Churchill's war room, you see the troops being moved in. You know, sector by sector, and they're getting closer and closer Very to Westminster. And they even say they they do it so they become more thorough when they get to the epicenter of it. Yeah, they get closer and closer together, obviously, because the circle's getting smaller and smaller. And you see it visually on the map. And if you listen to the places that they are talking about, that's actually accurate. You know, it's not just random names in London that they're shouting out. It's it's actually yes, we're moving down from the north through this part of London through that part until we hit so and so. You know. And and it was great to actually watch it. And for me, as I've mentioned on the podcast previously, I work, my office is on Trafalgar Square. I love it when I see an old movie that shows where I work 
50, 40, 60 years ago, whatever it may be. Um, seeing Trafalgar Square and these London landmarks. Um, and again, we've also mentioned when you see this is only five years, five or six years after the end of the war, you still see the bomb sites and the war damaged London. Yep, there's, there's, yeah, there's still homes that are missing in the streets and whatnot, and it's just playgrounds now. Yeah, there was a, it was a really good bit of footage on there. I don't know what bridge it was, I can't remember now. Mm. But there's they pan across the bridge onto the Thames, and you just see all the barges and all the boats yeah. on there. Yeah, and then and you look at it now to what it's it's just a tourist attraction now. Yeah, there's no it's um, not a working river anymore, is it? That's the no. Thing. You saw an industrial London, and that's something I quite like. Yeah, um, you miss the smog. <laughs> I missed I do, I do. I think I'd quite enjoy working up in London back then. I hate working up there now. <laughs> Whereas I still um, enjoy it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you love it. You love the hustle and bustle mm. of it, where I get really annoyed and start pushing people over. <laughs> um, yeah, or crashing into things. So is there any uh, highlights in this movie, mate, for yourself? Was there anything that really stood out for you? Any performance or character or... Let's talk about Joan Hickson. Like you say, we, Joan Hickson playing completely against how we remember Joan Hickson, isn't she here? Yeah, she's she's playing the scatty household lady. Nosy neighbour. Yeah, nosy neighbour. And she's in a very, very posh, well-to-do house. Yeah. Well, I think it's like a, it's like a B&B, isn't it, almost? Yeah. Um, and she's got delusions of grandeur, basically. It's like my house, my rules, and you know, my tenants and all that sort of thing. No actors, they're nothing but problems. Yeah, which is how things were back then, you know. But it's great to see her because, you know, when you mention Joan Hickson, people just automatically think, you know, 80-year-old Joan Hickson as Miss Marple. We've got a few famous faces. Have you got IMDb open there? Okay. Amongst the soldiers, there were three famous faces. Victor Madden playing Private Jackson. Yes, I'm just opening it. Okay. Victor Madden. Appeared in a couple of carry-ons, as far as I remember. I remember him from Dick Emery. Yeah, and he's the one that takes the shot at the end. Yes. Spoiler there, everyone. Yeah, spoiler. Um, the soldier that rolls up the cigarette at the foot of the stairs? Yep. That's Sam Kidd. Now, Sam Kidd, I don't think he's on this IMDb list that you've got there, mate. But if you were to watch Talking Pictures TV, Sam Kidd appears in every other movie. Um, so much so that they devoted a week of, of programming to him. He was one of those faces that was in all of these movies at the time. And I tell you what I noticed for the first time. I mean, I watched this film probably about six, seven months ago before watching it again this week to, to talk to you. In the bit where they get to the church just before they apprehend the, um, the professor in the, in the parade of soldiers talking to Victor Madden, I think it is. Is Henry McGee. Right. Henry McGee was the tall, bald-headed guy that was always in the Benny Hill show. Yes. Very yeah. young Henry McGee. I don't think he's even credited at the end, but it was definitely him. We saw Jeffrey Keane, as we say, who was Alf in the pub, who's in everything from James Bond onwards, you know. It's another one of those films that are um, just chock full of famous faces you know they keep coming up again and again and there's another sean connery look-alike is there <laughs> just like in a night to remember there is a policeman yeah just after they go round to the house and um take the description from joe hickson yeah they put out another um all police cars alert 
and there's a policeman there on the radio and he's got a, like a pencil tash and at a quick glance I thought it was Sean Connery it's not but it's, it's another near miss we've had another one uh, the, the, the great Sean Connery lookalike competition we'll have to keep this yeah running. I think he's in Night to Remember but uh, we, we discounted that one as well didn't no, we? we we had photographic evidence of that in the end um, yeah this is interesting I've got IMDB here open and there are three other uncredited appearances from famous people now, I spotted this one. The policeman at the station was a very young Joss Ackland. Right. Give me a second. Right. Uncredited bit part. Okay. We've got Sam Kidd, as we've mentioned, and Henry McGee, both uncredited, but they're here. And according to IMDb, also uncredited, Patrick McNee. Patrick McNee was Steed in The Avengers. So he okay. must have been really young in this as well. So it's a, oh, and Lawrence Harvey, who went on to, to be, um, the kitchen sink dramas of the late fifties and, and became quite a bit of a Hollywood star. He's in it as well. Oh my God. There's some really famous people in this. Incredible. I'm going to have to go back again and try and spot these faces. So <laughs> first time watch, you didn't know anything about it. Liked it, loved it, hated it. Couldn't care less for it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, for anyone that's not watched it and they've watched some of the TV programs I've seen, it start like I said, it starts off like a professionals film, um, <laughs> TV show, a very old black like and white one, <laughs> and it ends up like a James Bond. You know, <laughs> yeah, okay. They're diffusing a bomb in the church, and they've got minutes to spare before oh, the end yeah. of the world, yeah. and they do it. And Steve, magnificent, magnificent Steve, he does it. <laughs> But unfortunately, the professor runs away and gets shot. Did you get the feeling of like suspense? Were you on the edge of your seat at some point? Yeah, because this is what it reminded me of of a very sort of like early Hitchcock movie. Where... Yeah, but again, it, like I say, it goes back to the actual people. You got the soldiers like we should have been out of here ages ago. We're all going to get frazzed, you know. Mm. We don't want to be here. Then you get the soldiers they... not taking it too seriously, like the guys that are like having a drink on the job and, and things like that. Aren't That's they? it. And but they... until it gets to that point where it's crunch time. Yeah. Um, but then they, they tell a lot of the soldiers to get out of there and you see them racing away in trucks, don't you? They, they're all out of there. They're gone. Yeah. They've but got they, they leave they one section there to surround the church in case he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you sort of think then like, yeah, this is crunch time for them. If they don't diffuse it, um, and he, he's running around screaming, there's no time, there's no time, that's it, it's, that's mm. it. Mm. Um, and you sort of take it with gospel, because he's the man that's created that bomb. True. Was it believable, the whole story? I think so. I think it was, didn't you? Because it was I, so close to the, the war. Era, yeah. yeah, because of the era, and it was just so, so real to life. Mm. Um, you can like imagine. You see, there's a lot of money spent on it, wasn't there? There, there was yeah. no detail left unturned. This, it's not all... You know, set in a studio. There are, I think, I read somewhere there are seventy London locations that they film. They've gone all over the, you know, all over the capital. Yeah, and, and made a point of picking out famous landmarks and not so famous parts of London, but making it look as if, wow, you know, that's deserted. That's just frightening that they've they've actually created that. I actually look back at some of them deserted scenes and I actually thought they were stills, but they're not. No, because you see the soldiers marching across. Yeah, it's it's like when she's going over the bridge at the end of it to say that it's all over and yeah. done with and she wouldn't go to Peterborough. And there's nothing going on around her. And I thought, no, nah, it's got to be stills. It's got to be some sort yeah. of clever no. um, early sort of green screen. But it's not because the water's moving in the background. Yeah, in she's the walking, Thames. She's walking across Westminster Bridge. Uh, Westminster uh, Bridge. 
and the water's going. So they've actually shut down London. Yeah. Because there's also a thank you in the credits, a thank you to all of the Londoners. Makes you wonder if they filmed this on like an Easter Sunday or something like that when there wasn't like hardly anybody about. No, exactly. Back in the days where people actually stayed indoors and everything mm. shut. Yeah, very, very clever film, isn't it? Very clever film. Um, even down to the tactics of the police and the soldiers, it's sort of something you would expect. Yeah. Um, like the methodical searching and everything being in play. Again, very British, very well prepared. Yeah. Um, get everyone out of there. Well, the thing is, they, they, you know, obviously had the, the practice five, six years previously during the war. So things were still in place or still in fresh in people's minds that we can do this. We've done it before. But I think the other scary thing was for everybody involved, no one knew mm. the consequences of setting that bomb off. No. It... And we still don't to this day. Mm. All right, we've seen it on other countries, mm. but we've never experienced it. No. It's, it just we... imagine it was to say this was 1950. It, it was unknown, wasn't it, mate? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very scary times. Like, again, start of the Cold War, end of the World War. Everyone's still getting over all of that. So would you recommend um, this movie to... Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you're going to give it a rating? What do you want to do? Out of, out of 10? Let's do it out of 10. Uh, out of 10, it'd be a 10. Wow. Um, it's, even on IMDb, it scored 7.2 out of 10. And you're going up for a 10 on that? Yeah, 10. All the way a 10. It's Fair. very, very good. Um, I was wondering if you could have gone either way on this you'd have loved it like you have done or you'd have gone what a load of old rubbish Scott this is so unbelievable this is just so over the top but it's not is it It's. It, it, I like bringing you movies like this that you haven't seen I dare say mm. if this was done in modern day yep. it, I wouldn't like it at all it would be spoiled it would be too too much focus on action and devastation yeah. Whereas this film, it's um, it's done how it would be done. It's more of a drama. Life. It's it's a, a the human interest. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very chilling actually. Yeah. I think to watch. Can you imagine the the audiences of the time watching that thinking this that, could that, actually happen that to us could any happen. day? Yeah, what a great um, movie. Yeah, very, very good that he can do something like that. It's it's done very much like in which we serve, because in which we serve was done at the time of war. Yeah, we mentioned that, didn't we? Because it was filmed during the actual war years, wasn't it? That's yeah, right. it, exactly. And that's exactly how it had been at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, good point. So, yeah, it's very, very cleverly done. I'll recommend it. Definitely watch it. Um, I went into it a bit sceptical, especially when it started at the beginning. <laughs> but it, it does grab you very quickly. I mean, within the first five minutes, it does grab you. Yeah, I mean, despite the drama, there are some light-hearted bits in there as well. Um, oh, it's all very British, stiff upper lip. It is, it is. You'll have fun playing Spot the Famous Face as well throughout the movie. Excellent. I'm glad you like that, mate. What we'll do, we'll take a little break here and we'll be back with not what we're watching next time because next time we meet we're going to be talking about Scrooge with Joan Sims. With Joan Sims. It's that time of the year, everyone. <laughs> Jingle bollocks all the way. But next time me and, me and you are together, it's going to be your choice. Let's take a quick break. Okay, mate, when we return next time, you and I together, it's going to be your choice for me. Yep. What are we going with, sir? 
Well, we're going to kick it back off again. We started, um, so we need to carry on. Um, <laughs> as we pointed out earlier, if we, we do it at the rate we're doing, we're going to be here for another 30 years. So, um, we're going to go carry on nurse. Which is the, the second in the series, isn't it? That's it, yeah. We're going to go carry on nurse. Interesting, because Joan Hickson's in that as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, she's the sister, if I remember rightly. Joan Sims is in it. She's the student nurse. Um, still no Sid James as yet in the Not series. Yet. Not yet, but I think we've got Leslie Phillips is in it. Kenneth Williams is definitely in it, and Charles Hawtrey and Kenneth Connor. We haven't got long to wait for no. Sid James. No, there's a couple more to go yet. I think people like Wilfred Hyde White and that. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it's, it is one of the better of the early ones, I think. It's one of the yeah. best of the black and whites. Um, very, one of, very... one of my favourites, Bill Owen. He's Bill in Owen, well. Compo's in it, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I like Bill Owen. He's a very good actor. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that because, as you just said, if we carried on at the rate we're doing the carry-ons, we're going to be doing this podcast for the next 30-plus years. So <laughs> let's get a couple yeah. more under our belt for the new year. Excellent choice, my friend, because I do love a carry-on film. Tony, it's been a pleasure. We should be doing this far more often, my friend. Yep, we're definitely going to try. Again, I'm sorry, everyone, I do make promises. I do try my hardest. Oh, no one else misses you, mate. It's just me. Don't worry about that. Like I said in the past, I don't even care if no one listens. We do indeed. It's nice to catch up, mate. I'll see you in about a week's time for the Christmas special. Yep, happy Easter, everybody. Happy I'm, Easter. I'm sorry, too early. <laughs> <laughs> Always professional. See you soon. See ya. Bye bye, mate. <laughs> British end up, sir.